Aggression is one of the last dirty words in our culture. You can be crass, you can be rude, you can even be profane, but ho, ho, aggressive, don't be aggressive, except it's wrong, dead wrong. I promise you nothing of meaning and transcendence will come into your life passively. It's time for you to get into the arena to push back against a passive, mediocre existence. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. Today is going to be another day of firsts. I feel like I've been saying that a lot recently. But today is another day of first. We are going to be recording before our first live audience. It's also going to be a first as it relates to the kind of guests we're going to have. We're going to be talking to Bob Goff. Yeah, you might say, who who is Bob Goff? I don't know who who uh, he is. Captain Feelgood. That who he is. Bob Goff is Captain Feelgood. And a lot of people go, oh, feeling good. Oh, I don't, I don't like feeling good. I don't, want, I, I don't want to feel Anybody who wants to make me feel good, they got problems. Uh, I actually operate in the church world as my day job. And it's, it's really weird how many people in church feel like something's happening wrong if somebody feels good. Because we all know if we got closer to God, we'd all feel like crap. Yeah, because when Jesus says, I come to give you life and life abundantly, he doesn't really mean it. I mean, if you actually like going to church, that church is doing something wrong. If you're actually happy, it's because you're compromising someplace. B.S. Not true. Not true. Bob Goff is one of those guys that people just want to be around him because they feel better when they're around him. Hey, here's an idea. Maybe people, maybe you would have more people around you if you made people feel better. You ever think about the reason why people don't want to be around you and, and you have a hard time finding dates is because you don't know how to make people feel good around you? This is a huge life skill, friends. It is an aggressive decision to think outside of yourself and think about other people. It's an aggressive skill to learn how to enter into somebody's world and give them the right word. Bob Goff excels at that. In fact, he excels at it so so well that I'm going to ask him questions. I have a feeling he's not going to answer my questions. <laughs> I'm just calling it right now. I have a feeling he's going to say whatever he wants to say, and that's okay because mission accomplished. You're going to feel good. You're going to feel better coming out of this podcast. Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to feel better. I better turn the podcast off. Oh, no. No, you're going to feel better, and you're also going to get some stuff that's going to help your life. So here we go. How many people do you know that have written a best-selling book on the New York Times best-selling list? And how many people do you know, even with loser books, actually put a phone number in the back of the book telling anybody, if you want to call me, I would just love to talk to you? This guy that we're with today on The Aggressive Life. Today we have a special guest. We're recording live on the campus of Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, surrounded by students. And my guest today is, to be honest, he's uh, something of a legend. As a college student, he spent 16 days in the Pacific Ocean with five guys in a crate of canned meat. 
As a father, he took his kids on a world tour to eat ice cream with heads of state. He's made friends in Uganda and then became the United States consul there. He pursued his wife for three years before she even agreed to the first date. And when his grades weren't good enough to get into law school, he sat on a bench for seven days outside the dean's office until they finally let him enroll. He's a hurricane of aggressive moves. He's got aggressive joy and he's got something for us today. Welcome, Bob Goff. Thank you, guys. Oh, I love being here. Thanks a million for making me feel so welcome. You know, there's a big difference between being invited somewhere and being welcomed. And what you guys are awesome at is welcoming people. That's what we need. People invite people places all the time. Thanks for being those people that just welcome people. Well, you're gonna, they're gonna be better after hearing from you, man, because you, you, you are different. I, I like to refer to you as, you are Mr. Feelgood. You are, you are Mr. <laughs> Feelgood. And a lot of people that sounds, that sounds almost indicting. A lot of people think there's something wrong with feeling good. A lot of people think there's something wrong with making people feel good, but you just have a presence about you that uplifts the spirits of people around us. And I think that's gotta be an aggressive attitude that you have, an aggressive decision, and that's what we want to get under here today. You did this book, Love Does. Why did you write the book, Love Does? Oh, because I wasn't good at making brownies. <laughs> we were trying, if I made brownies, people would die. Um, but uh, we had these schools that we had started in different countries, and uh, I was a pretty good lawyer, but I wasn't as good as I would need to be to fund all this. And so a publisher said that they would build the school if I would write the book. So we traded. I won school for one book. And then they said, how many kids in the school? I said, 1,300 child soldiers and 100 teachers. <laughs> and they said, big school. I said, big book. <laughs> and we made them pay me in advance because I didn't know if it would totally suck. But we then um, sold millions of these things. And that's a great idea. Write your stories down. Uh, don't tell everybody what they ought to think. Remind people of who they are. So let's go back, maybe do a little stuff chronologically. Seven days on a bench wanting somebody to break the rules to let you in. That's a major drive. Just go back and tell us like why that, why have you been able to do things that other people haven't? I mean, go back. I don't know that anybody's ever done that, sat outside for seven days and sat until someone gave them something they thought they needed to have. Yeah, I think maybe in terms of worldview, I hope that uh, you are, who are listening or here with us, that you'll just assume that you're invited to places. I just assume friendship. I just assume we're friends or we will be. Um, I just assume that I'm invited. You don't need to wait for permission to do these things. And so when I, I had an ambition to get in law school, I just didn't have the thing I needed, which were good grades. <laughs> Who can relate? Uh, and then I matched bad grades with an equally bad LSAT score. So the chances were really small, but you know, remember like in Dumb and Dumber? So you're saying I have a chance. <laughs> the whole idea is to just assume what'll happen uh, is that you've got these hopes and dreams, some of them God-given, you'll know because the ones that come from God tend to have more shelf life. Uh, they don't have to do with just like fulfilling uh, these needs for you, but it's actually fulfilling needs for other people. So those are some of the hallmarks of those. And for those uh, desires that you've had, that I would just go for it, just assume. The answer is yes, you just haven't found it yet. So your assumption is 
you're wanted. You were assuming that that dean of that law school actually wanted you, that you wanted you, they just didn't know it yet. And yeah. you were invited. And this isn't like Tony Robbins, let's walk across the burning coals. It's just, it's that you are put here on earth. You have these unique desires. And some of them, if you have an access point, we've got schools now in eight countries. Every single country, I've known a total of zero people when I stepped off the plane. I just arrived. Iraq, Somalia, Afghanistan. I didn't know anybody, but I just got off the plane. I just assumed I was invited. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's always been this way in American culture with every generation, but I'll just say from my generation younger, um, you and I might be in the same generation. How old are you, Bob? I just turned 60. All right. We, no, I'm not 60, so no, I'm definitely a younger generation than you. <laughs> But there is definitely a sense of rejection. We feel like we are rejected. I'm adopted. I was born at a very young age. And then I was, and then I was adopted. And, you know, when the first person that you've been, you've known when you were inside her womb, when they put you up for adoption, even though that's an amazing, loving thing, and it was the right thing for my birth mom to do, you, you go through your life wondering, like, do people like me? Uh, am I going to get rejected? And I, I meet and interact with so many people who are on edge around other people because they feel they're always on the verge of being rejected. So therefore, we can't be nice to somebody because we're afraid they're going to reject us. We don't try things because we don't want to be turned down. You're saying that you've never been that way? You've been able to go against the grain? No, no, no. I have the same fears. Uh, and there's a certain latency about this. Like when you said, you know, I was born at a very young age. There's like kind of like a 1001, 1002. And then everybody got it. They go like, that actually is really cute. I think that's what we are about our insecurities, the things about like why you do what you do. It's having the moment to pause and say, why am I doing that? What's the return address? I don't know if you guys get a lot of junk mail at your house, but I get it by the foot. What I do is I see who it's from. And if it's from somebody I don't know, I don't read it. And I think a lot of us are reading the junk mail. And so some of the junk mail, you're going to be rejected. If your parents split at a young age, it can be thought of as a limiting belief, that you have this belief that if I ever loved someone, eventually they'll leave. Um, and so to just uh, kind of ping that, you don't have to camp out there, but understand where that's coming from, because we can only fix the stuff that we've taken the time to understand. And, uh, and I think that would be something for each of us to say, what are the things that are hanging me up? Are there any patterns that have developed, which is I go like an inch deep with people and then I move on and say like, why would that be? Just go like, oh, wow, because when I went a mile deep, I really got my heart broken. So some of that is wisdom of figure out what's wisdom and what's fear. So you exude life. I mean, that's not new news to you, right? I mean, you exude life. That's why people are attracted to you and your message. That's probably why that the dean, when he actually stopped for seven days, he sensed that life and gave you the nod. Have, have you always been that way? Or was there a turn in your life? If you look back early on, did, did you always stand out from the crowd in terms of giving life and having infectious joy? Do you know what a, a turning point, and it happened right at about uh, college age, I figured out that I wasn't my dad. And I know it would be, be self-evident, uh, but some of you think you're supposed to be like your mom or your dad or a sister or a brother or a friend, and to realize I'm just wonderfully wonky me. 
Um, and there's something beautiful about that. There's like self-awareness when you just say like, I'm actually not everybody else. And, and I'm not your typical lawyer. <laughs> Could you imagine me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm your lawyer. <laughs> Let's go have cake pops. Um, <laughs> yeah, in 32 years, I've never lost a case. And it's not because I'm an awesome lawyer and awesome picker. You've and never lost a case yeah. in 32 years. No, and a part of it is just being a really good picker. I only pick cases that can never be lost. So, <laughs> <laughs> so find your inner picker. Um, find, like, just be better. At, you don't have to work for NASA to figure out the trajectory. If you're in a relationship and it's going too far too fast, you say, like, actually, just uh, pick something else. Like you say, like, that isn't for me or somebody that actually uh, doesn't bring out these best things in you. So you can do that relationally. You can do that strategically. You can say there's something that you're capable of. I'm licensed in, I think, five states to be a lawyer. But while I'm able to be a lawyer, I don't feel like I'm made to be a lawyer. I want to be with you guys. And I didn't come here to teach anything. I came to learn. So we had a wonderful hour and five-minute drive out here. I just learned the whole time. And I'm going to go back to my hotel room or wherever somebody is telling me where I'm staying tonight. I'm like, don't even know. Um, <laughs> but that is actually on purpose, too. There's a saying in the Deep South, they say, you got to be where your feet are. And so some of us, I think, are elsewhere. We're just constantly distracted. I think Satan works for Apple. And to say, let's make a phone and have everybody be distracted constantly. And I'm just constantly trying to be where my feet are. So I've, you could hook all the electrodes up. I have no idea where I'm staying tonight. And I'm so down with that because I assume somewhere, <laughs> just like you, right? But to be fully present, don't be if you're at a gathering and somebody's looking beyond you at the next person. So all I know is I'm right here with you guys right now. And so if you know why you're doing what you're doing, then you start patterning things rather that actually reinforce that. So you, when you discovered that you weren't your dad, this then opened up a, a new frontier of, oh, I can be who I am. I get to be Bob. Yeah. Yeah, like who's he? <laughs> like what is he actually good at and what does he stink at? And I'm trying to just do more of the things that I'm good at. Um, but I found one of the impediments to getting there is I'm really comfortable. Like I've got, a, you know, a house, a car, a wife. I got a dog I don't even want. I got all this stuff. <laughs> And um, one of the things is that comfortable people don't need Jesus. And so I'm trying to be like downwardly mobile. One of the things that just happened uh, today, we bought a camp. <laughs> I got all my kids on the phone. I'm like, I'm just giving away your inheritance. So we bought this camp so that people could get better. And it's on 150 acres. And I just want to spend the rest of my time and maybe instead of in, a, in an arena, I'd rather be with 30 people and go a mile deep. And so that's not a better thing. It's just a different thing. And so I would say for each of you listening or here, just find your thing. And then the crazy thing about faith is it's constantly changing. This whole idea of a new creation. So I know who old Bob was like 12 hours ago when I woke up. But tomorrow I'll wake up and say like, who's new Bob? Like what? It turns out I'm still good at a couple things. I'm still bad at a couple things. But I want to stay super fresh. So I would say for each of you, say, what is it that God is doing in me? What's the current version? And don't be like somebody else. Keep your eyes on your own paper. So the aggressive life is about getting outside of passivity, seeing things that need to happen, pushing them, doing them, and 
not playing life passively. You're, you're, you're dropping examples, Bob, left and right here, that any one of which would be a lifetime accumulation award for most Americans. You left a, a law practice 25 years practicing law, and you decided to write a book. That was an aggressive move. You decided to sit outside of a, outside of a dean's office for seven days and wait. I mean, it can be incredibly, incredibly aggressive to wait for seven days and look like an idiot on a bench. And you did that. Now you just dropped another one. I just, I'm 150 acres. Do you know much about camping, Bob? Nothing. <laughs> and that's rounding up. But I just thought, this is going to be terrific. So like a bad day uh, isn't having it not work. A bad day is not trying. Uh, so fail trying. And so you get these ideas. If you've got somebody, a guys here, if there's some gal, respect her, treat her uh, with dignity and see these beautiful things in her, but ask her out on a date. Say, like, will you go out? Try it. And if she says no. That would be really crazy. Yeah. Man. You mean actually talk to some yeah. other human being. Or what we talked about just on the uh, car drive out here is uh, we went Starbucks. We said tall, grande, and finte. So what are your ambitions? Give me tall, give me grande, give me vente. Uh, what, tell me in terms of time or magnitude or whatever. Have those kinds of conversations. Don't stop with like, what's your name and what's your major? Uh, that's for like people playing farm league. You want to play like major league. We've spent a bunch of time in Afghanistan this last year and a half. It's been just nuts. And so I thought, what if we get these Afghan leaders? We invited 170 Afghan leaders to meet in Kabul. <laughs> you know how many came? 170. And we started talking about their ambitions and their dreams and all that. And that's a little bit uncomfortable. But one of the things to talk about the same thing here among you, what are you hoping for? And then what if we start hoping for other people what we're hoping for ourselves? Is the problem that we don't have a beautiful ambition or is there more problems with not knowing how to go about the beautiful ambition? Are you seeing an outage in one of those two areas more so than the other? I just think that we're all just tremendously insecure. I'm one of them. Um, and so we deal with our insecurities differently. So I deal with my insecurity by being funny because I learned that if I was funny, then when I felt insecure, then it didn't feel like it was about me anymore. Some people deal with their insecurities by being mean. Other people uh, deal with them by trying to be right, in quotes. <laughs> and I'm trying to deal with my insecurities now by trying to be Jesus. I'm not trying to be him, I'm trying to be like him. And so that idea, I'm like a big uh, scripture guy. I'm still learning these things. I know many of them, I just haven't applied many of them. And so what I'm trying to do is sync it up instead of just like knowing this stuff to say, how can I actually do that? Because it's easy being around you guys because you're really nice. You're low hanging fruit. But be around somebody who's a jerk like that's when you go. That's the deal about difficult people. We're among them because <laughs> I'm actually a difficult guy. You, you think, are not. No, I that is not am. true. I am. Who, who believes that Bob is a difficult guy? No, I am. No, He's... you're not. Who would like Bob Goff for their dad, to yeah. be their dad? Just who would like... We would get into uh, some mischief. Why, why do you believe I've you're a difficult guy? I've been kicked out of a couple countries. <laughs> and jailed a couple times, too. But one of the things 
um, that I'm trying to do is just, uh, just continue to ask, like, who is the next version of Bob? Like, who's that guy? So I turned 60 this year, so I'm spending a lot of time thinking, what's the 70-year-old version of Bob like? Who's that guy? What is he all about? I'm trying to move in that direction to like get rid of things that I don't need, which is uh, assets, evidently, and uh, to get things that I do need, which is to make a difference. You could just very easily take your message, you know, your demeanor, take your insights, and just stand on stages and help people all day long, on and on and on and on, because you're really, you're really obviously very good, very, very gifted at that. But you do, you're doing much more than that. You've, you're building organizations. You're, you're doing things that I, I think would be a bit stressful. You're, you're working to correct injustices against children in current or recovering conflict zones. You're working in Uganda, Iraq, Nepal, Somalia, Afghanistan, and India. When I go to areas like that, I feel depressed. I feel beat down. I feel, I feel helpless. Or when I work with people who work with those areas all the time, those kind of folks tend to not have the infectious kind of joy that you have because the awful situations just beat it out of us. So we're, it's just so sad. So how, how are you able to be in those, those emotional, spiritual, physical war zones and still have this attitude of levity, this joyfulness. What, well, how do you do it? Maybe that's uh, how I would deal with my insecurities too, is to just be fun. Uh, because if I get insecure, then I just go like, I don't want to feed that lion because it's already big enough. There's this country and uh, there's a lot of tension there. And um, we were staying in somebody's house because we didn't want uh, anybody to know we were there. And uh, I, I was out and I came back and the guy that hosting this, he's like just uh, ashen. And I'm like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> he's like, uh, while you were gone, two men came to the door with a picture of you off the internet and said, is this man here? <laughs> That'll keep you regular. But, <laughs> but just that idea to think, I wonder what will happen next. So I felt that same way when I met Sweet Maria Goff. Right, she wasn't Sweet Maria Goff at the time, but I was thinking, I wonder what will happen next. So living in anticipation, and we've got some crazy stuff. Just turn on the news. I'm thinking, I wonder what will happen next. But I'm not sucked into like making this uh, like a, you know, a, like daytime drama. But to just be curious about that would be. And I'm thinking, I wonder how we could give people hope when something happens next, how could we keep people uh, together? Like how could, so to just go underneath whatever the news line for the day is, to say, what's your role in restoring hope? Well, so you could just continue to point towards the horizon and say, there's something beautiful that's worth headed towards wherever you come from. And so that's the beautiful thing. Just be like, just keep pointing towards beautiful thing. It isn't just like this idea of like just a fake optimism, but to actually be really curious. Like, this is a page turner. Your lives, I hope you see them as page turners. I don't know how all this is going to shake out, but if you just keep trying different things. And a couple well, things. Talk about that more. Your life as a page turner. There's something in there that I want to make sure you talk about. What, what does that mean? Your life as a page turner. Yeah, to just be engaged. Like that, read the book of Acts. Like that was a 
page turner. They're like, what's going to happen next? And from a bunch of disciples that hung out with Jesus for three years and they didn't even know who he was, they're like, wait a second, I thought you were the whole conquering king thing. But I, to live in constant anticipation about what will happen next in your relationships, like with your friendships, with the course that you're skipping to be here, say, I wonder how that'll work out. And so one of the things, instead of just being muted and distracted and medicating this, instead, just be super engaged. Lose the phone, lose the distractions, ditch the boyfriend, whatever it is that's distracting you. Like, say, I'm actually engaged. This is new me. I've got my eye on the prize. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And for some of you, it'll be your faith. For some of you, it'll be something else. Whatever it is, whatever's going to outlast you, spend your time on that. So if you were to give us, say, you know, five tips to increase your joy, I think you've just given us a couple of them. Maybe just give us some more. How do you, or how do you increase your joy? Are there attitudes you take on? Are there practices? Are there things you play at? Do you detach a certain amount of time every week? Do you, I mean, just, just take a, anything that you, that you accidentally do, you probably decided to do a while ago and it's working for you. So tell us what to do. Yeah, I'll give you just a couple observations. We talked about that in our car ride. Everybody has opinions. I don't listen to people with opinions. Uh, tell me your observations. What's worked for you? One of the things that I do, we talked about being where your feet are. I have a person that helps me, that tells me where I am today, tomorrow, and the next day, but I've got and nothing else. So I'm really just right here. And as I've told you, I haven't even looked at tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just like today, because I've like gone from knowing a three-day window to just like one day is fine. And so those habits of just knowing I'm just going to be here. I will, when I'm, I'm not a, just a touchy-feely guy, I just will put my hand on somebody's shoulder to let them know in a bigger crowd that it's just me and you right now. It's not me and a thousand people. It's just us. And so it's because I've appreciated that. I answer everybody's email. I get 300 emails a day. And there was a guy way before everybody's time. His name was Keith Green. And he was one of the contemporary Christian singers that kicked this whole thing off. And I wrote him a letter. He wrote me back three sentences. You guys, I felt like such a boss because <laughs> Keith Green wrote me three sentences. I don't even know what they were. But I know what that felt like. And you know that saying you've heard before, people won't know what you said. They'll remember how you made them feel. And so I just think honoring people, if you have people that you're dating, just honor them. Like if you just say, I'm just going to try to honor the people. I'm a big hugger. I hug everybody except the women that work for me because that would be creepy. I, instead, what we do is I give them blessings. I just put my hand on their head. And it, but it gives us a moment together. Like, are we good? Are we good? Are we good? It's like duck, duck, goose. But to just be really intentional about why you do what you do, I think that's where it really gets good. And just being really present. And then having a reputation for authenticity that we're going to go, not for drama, but just for authenticity. Be like, I don't know. Um, but however it is that God has wired you. For some, like very... Um, you know, focused and diligent and uh, serious and planned like that. I'm just so grateful that you're that way. So live fully into that. Uh, for other people, spontaneous and arm-waving and all that, try to understand that. Is that authentic? And if it isn't, just don't feel bad. Just say, like, I'm just going to try to get, uh, just give it a quarter of a twist. Because most of us are about a quarter of a twist away from who we are becoming. You know what I mean? Like, if you go, like, if I'm holding, if you're listening, I'm holding my hands up and my fingers like this, a quarter of a twist, all of a sudden it goes from not clear to clear. 
Do you know uh, Delta Airlines down in Atlanta, they used to back the airplanes up and they do 90 degrees. You know what they decided to do instead? Give it a quarter of a twist. They just go to 45, change, it saved them billions of dollars and hundreds of hours. So I would just say in your relationships that you're in right now, give it a quarter of a twist. In your major that you're in right now, give it a quarter of a twist. Just say it's like picking a lock. And you say, like, actually, I would just want to, I'm pretty close. I just need to do that last thing. And oftentimes it's fear or somebody's expectation that's on you that's keeping you from, dude, go ahead and do it. Give it a whirl. See what will happen. A small tweak maybe instead of a huge overwrite of your life. Yeah, just small movements. You don't have to say I'm like way over here and way over that. You're just going to frag your brain doing that. But just small movements in your relationships, small movements in the things that are your ambitions. It sounds like again and again, you're coming back to this being present in the moment, um, the attitude you have in the moment. I mean, I, I admit that I am very, very much like everyone here on the college campus in that when I was driving in here today, I don't think I saw anybody walking that wasn't looking at their phone. I can't believe I haven't broken my ankle yet. Just how did you break your walking and looking at my phone? I mean, I, I find myself like I'm not stimulated enough to just walk someplace anymore. I've got to be looking at something, reading something. It's probably not the best for my being engaged in the moment and being joyful, is it? Yeah, so don't feel bad about that. Just say like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give that a quarter of a twist. It's a literally just take the phone every time. Just give it a quarter of a twist and keep it in your pocket. <laughs> There's something really beautiful. Those will be these habits, like you're trying to carve a new little groove in your brain. And to say, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, if the screen time thing is a problem for you, then you can deal with that. Uh, but I would say don't uh, box yourself in. Like sometimes it's like kind of like beating yourself up. But would you just be kind to yourself? Because you're actually, uh, it's these small steps. It's Zachariah 4. And it said this, that heaven just delights watching us make these small moves. And I just think of it's like a quarter of a twist. Any of you seen a, 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 a young kid take their first step and say like, I've seen better. Like, of course not. <laughs> You'd be like, no, it's their first step. So take yours. It'll be the first step in your relationship. If your relationship could use a little tune up, just take a quarter. You don't need to do a tear down, just do a remodel. Don't start with all the boards, just like one, two by four and say, what if we do this? Uh, and then what if we do that? And the, those small incremental things, it's going to be really beautiful what will happen. But don't build it for somebody else. Don't say, I want to have a relationship that's a light on the hill for everybody. Just do it for you. Like, because you're actually really worth it and just delights God to see you do make those small moves. Well, every answer you've had, I think it'd be equally applied to every age, every socioeconomic situation, every gender, every race. It's just really good stuff. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still try to put you in a box here, but I'm sure it's going to help all of us. So we're in a room right now full of college students. What is one thing that you know now that you wished you had known when you first graduated college? Oh, it's super easy. I would have just gone for it. How many of you raise your hands if you're broke? Like everybody, That's right? That's about 75% of the room, that yes. Isn't awesome? Yeah, so I would just try stuff. What's a bad day? You're still broke. <laughs> you can't get broker than broke. I mean, zero, zero. 
And so that whole idea to try something right now to say, what's something I won't be able to do later? You could imagine what the arc of your life will be. And to say, actually, I could do it now. There's this place called Maui. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, like, go there. Uh, or, or experience living. Go a there, like incur get, incur debt, and go there, or, or uh, like uh, go aboard. You know, a, a boat that's going there. Find a freighter and say, I'll wash the dishes. But find a way. You can, yeah, that, that can actually be done. Yeah, like, yeah. Seriously, that can, we, we put ourselves our little box. Like either have cash or I put on my credit card. But no, there's other ways to do stuff like that. Oh yeah, I remember in uh, law school. There's uh, this test at the end. It's called the bar exam. Go figure. And uh, I didn't have any money for the course to get ready for it. So I just picked up the trash and get this, I put in the VHS tapes. <laughs> I'm that old, I'm older than dirt. And so I put in the tapes, I cleared up, cleaned up everybody's trash. That's how I studied for the bar exam because I didn't have a thousand bucks to sign up for the course. So instead of lamenting, like at the, how broke you are, think of that as your superpower. Be <laughs> like, I got nothing to lose, man. So try that, but you can apply that same thing to relationships. There was a guy who was a field goal kicker for the Chargers. We used to have a football team in San Diego. And he had such a lame pickup line. He asked this girl if he wanted to go to a barn and see these two owls. <laughs> like, come on. So he picked her up. They went to the barn. They saw the owls. He drove her home. He shook her hand and said, thanks for coming to the barn with me. And he left. Well, uh, 30 years later, I met that guy. And I told him, you know what? Uh, you had this lamest pickup line as they want to go to a barn and see some owls. Do you know who you went with? Maria Goff. She wasn't Maria Goff at the time. Uh, but because you treated her uh, like a gentleman, uh, this isn't weird right now. You were actually with my wife before she was with my wife. I'm telling you, men, just so if you're dating these women, they might be somebody else's wife. And so if you just treat her with that kind of respect, and I'm telling you, just awesome things will happen in your life and better things will happen in her life later. And I would say the same thing to women. You just have these beautiful ambitions for what your relationships would be like. Just go ahead. Don't be hard on yourself and you'll mess up because you're you. But one of the things is this beautiful idea of grace. God sees who you're turning into. It's the next step. It's another two by four. And that's an aggressive move, Bob, because peers aren't acting that way. You're going to be alone when you do that because most people are not acting that way. Here's the deal about faith. Uh, following Jesus, uh, what I've found, means being constantly misunderstood. You'll just be like, so when I get misunderstood, that's just Tuesday. <laughs> and Wednesday's coming. Um, and so I don't get wrapped around the axle when it just when it goes kind of wonky. I'm not trying to do that, but I'm constantly asking myself, can I dig a little deeper? Is there a more humble version of me in there? What's a quarter of a turn I could do on that so I wouldn't be off-putting next time? I know for you to have the impact that you're having right now and to be building into as many people as you are, you've probably been forged through difficulty. There's probably been difficulty that God has used to put you on the anvil of life and beat some stuff out of you. Yeah. I mean, you, have, you even have a routine called uh, Quit Something Thursday. Yeah. You know? Every Thursday. Uh, let us in a little bit. Like, what's hard for you to quit? Or how do you, what kind of pain have you had that's formed you to be this joyful person? Or just, just let us into some of the, some of the stuff that would knock some of us out, but you've allowed God to have it build you. Yeah, well, I've had uh, many things that I've started, and uh, uh, quite a few of them have failed 
just miserably. I had this beautiful ambition. I tried something and it just like, it just crashed and burned. And so just not trying to camp out there. I had an idea in Washington, DC, there seems like there's some people not getting along. Have you noticed? So I thought I'm gonna buy a house across the street from the Supreme Court. I am not kidding. I bought this house and we didn't, we fixed it up. We didn't put a name on it like a Chris Tomlin song. It was just this house. and. All these people that were quarreling with each other would meet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, it turns out there's another house and people were into some like nutty stuff over there. Everybody stopped coming to my house uh, because they didn't want to be thought that they were these guys. And you guys, I'm the only guy that's lost money in real estate in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it was unnatural. And would I do it again? Heck no. But again, fail trying. So with sweet Maria, I once sold our house without telling her I sold her house. That and would be she, painful. She told me uh, as I pulled her up to the next house, she, she said, every marriage gets one of those, right? And that was your one. And I make it sound, <laughs> I make it sound fun now, but actually there's some times when I've really wounded her. I've just been all over the place trying to, you know, help Jesus out. And I pulled into my driveway after one of these, like go everywhere things. And in the window is a help wanted sign. And she wasn't saying she needed help. She's like, buddy, you need help. You are missing it here. And that just kills me. The person that sometimes uh, it's not just a gender related thing, but my experience is you spend so much time trying to provide for your family that you realize you're not providing for your family. Um, and so I just uh, labor to just be present. Uh, they don't need all this other stuff. It's going to come or go. But some of those things, when you've let somebody down, um, you've uh, let a friend down, you weren't there for them. You know, I can just think of, uh, I've lost five friends that have uh, taken their life this year. Five. which Which is actually a, a, a lot of the undergirding of doing this place where people can just bring your stuff. I'm trying not to cuss, but just bring your stuff and let's just sort it out in a really safe place. And I would say to you that are here, whether you're listening or present, to just find one person you can get super real uh, with um, and just uh, and do that, that kind of authenticity, if we can create safe places for people to do that. I've got, I've been going through last couple questions and the rest of our time are going to be questions from students, but man, I just need to stop on that one right there. Um, I was, I was walking out of church after I, it's my day job, not a podcast guy, walking out of church a couple weeks ago. And uh, as I was leaving, a woman was there and she was, she was pretty emotional. And she, she, she said to me, she stopped me, grabbed me on my arm while I was going out. And she said, do you think somebody will automatically go to hell for committing suicide? And I said, no, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. Uh, the last thing we do is not going to define where we go. And I thought I had a good answer for her. And I, I thought I comforted her. And then I started walking. I took two steps. And it was just like, like the little voice of God said, that's not the whole story. You need to go back and challenge this woman. I'm like, challenge her? I'm back. I, say, I said, um, are you asking that for a friend or for yourself? And she just burst into tears. She said, for me. And my answer at that point could have given her license to just do that. And I just had to look at her and say, hey, God does not want you to end your life. That is not his plan for you. If life is on, I just try to build her up and encourage her. And, and as far as I know, she's, you know, she's on a, on a good spot now. 
Why do you think that our suicide epidemic and our culture is higher than ever? I, it, we've never been killing ourselves at a greater rate than now. And probably, I haven't seen this statistic, but I gotta think America has more suicides than other countries. So, why is that, do you think? Yeah, I'm not smart enough to know, but I know a couple of people like Jamie Turkowski, if you guys have found him to write Love on Her Arms. Just there are some really knowledgeable people. So find people that are good at these things. And so uh, those are my go-to people. If there's something difficult that I don't feel like I need to have an answer. And the beautiful thing sometimes is like the best advice I've ever gotten was a hug. To just let people know, man, I'm with you. I don't have anything to say other than I'm with you, I feel it, here's here's my number. And instead of saying like, hey, call if you need any help, a person that's feeling really desperate won't be able to access that. And to say, hey, would you mind if I just checked in with you and like just have a no BS conversation? Just give me a, you know, one to 10 on this thing. And so I've just been going through my Rolodex of friends. I'm saying like, just let's real thing, just, you know, three minutes. And so if we could just be safe places where people could have those conversations and to say, let's talk about it. So Corey asks, uh, since you've been giving your number out, which is a way for you to connect and interact with folks, since you've been giving your number out, what's the most interesting call that you've received? Oh, wow. They are all over the spectrum from the uh, tragic um, to the actual fun. I was in Austin, Texas. And there was uh, two gals who uh, their car stopped on the highway <laughs> and they didn't have tow insurance and they knew I was in Austin. So they called <laughs> <laughs> and we found them on the highway, fixed the car. It was just there were battery cables. There was somebody else that was backing up and they hit uh, somebody else's car and they didn't want it. They felt so like weird about leaving their own phone number. They left mine. <laughs> bought the guy a fender. It was awesome. So there's just something beautiful about that. Yeah. Uh, and then there have been people in a really desperate place that didn't have somebody else to call. And so if you can just create a safe spot and, uh, and sometimes in wisdom, the same thing, if you're feeling like there's some self-harm or something, we should call 911 right now, find somebody right there with you. We can still continue to talk, but let's find some people around you right now. And, uh, and so just as you're the leaders in this community, just be wise. Uh, don't look smart, be wise. <laughs> you have a New Year's Day parade. So someone here is asking, can anyone come to your New Year's Day parade? Totally. If so, when and where is it? How can we find it? Tell us what's the vision behind this New yes. Year's parade? Well, that idea of like, love your neighbor. <laughs> I don't think it was a metaphor for something else. I think it meant to love your neighbor. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're saying that Jesus actually meant that we should love our neighbor. <laughs> like the person beside us in this room right now, we should love them. Yes. Wow. Um, and so uh, some of us, if you live on a block like I do, some of your neighbors are a little creepy. Um, <laughs> and the crazy part is I'm that neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so... <laughs> But uh, it's been actually beautiful. We've done it for 25 years. Isn't that crazy? And we each, uh, every year, we pick a little queen to be on there, and they're older than dirt. It's awesome. It's like 70, 80, 90. And uh, we have lost 21 queens on our block. It's like the block of death. And so 
But there's something really beautiful about this. We have all the queens get together the day before for the queen's brunch, and they bring their families and all that. It's really been a beautiful thing. And so that idea of uh, starting some, just get some helium balloons. I'm the reason there's a shortage. But just to have <laughs> balloons and just do it right where your neighbor. Do it in your dorm rooms. Do it in your block. Like, do it with somebody around say, I'm throwing you a parade. And it's only just me. <laughs> Do it for your roommate. They will remember that. Tell me about your college experience. One day, my roommate did a one-person parade for me. <laughs> they made a float. They, yeah, but that kind of idea, while it seems silly, you know there's something right underneath it. You know why you're doing what you're doing. If that kind of self-awareness to say there's a reason and there's no agenda. The only agenda is love people. Because if you just say, if yeah, love has an agenda, it ain't love, it's a program. And we don't need another program. We got tons of those. Oh, that's great. So where can people connect with you, Bob? Social media handles? How can people get involved with what you're doing? I guess you already give your phone. Are you going to give your phone number to the entire entire <laughs> listenership of, of the Aggressive Life podcast? It's out there, yeah. If you just Google my name, you'll find my number. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> But I would just uh, like to thank you for letting me feel welcomed. And, um, and I think let's continue to do that. Don't invite people to church. Welcome them when they get there. And particularly people that would be at risk of feeling not welcome. Just say, like, go in, find out what their ambition is and say, wow, is there a way it can help? Because we keep giving people information. What they need is an opportunity. Don't you feel like that? You don't need more information. You're like up to here. Just give me a shot. Send me in, coach. Yeah, just like, so that I feel like is my role now. I just try to just give people a shot. Like, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? Is there anything I can do? And we don't try to empower the women that work for us. We get out of their way. <laughs> They're already powerful. We say like, girl, what do you need to do? And let me just get out of the way while you do it. There's 10 people that work for Love Does and they're all women and they're all just making moves. They're just so busy doing impossible things. They're not hung up at what the impediments are. So uh, men and women, just raise your voice. You've got things to say, you've got things to do. If you have beautiful ambitions, just go after it. This isn't a feel good thing. It's just like, a, it's a, like holding up a mirror and to say, that's who you are. You know that's been who you are. You've had this thing. Let's go do it. And you're surrounded by a community of people who want to help you get there. And an older generation of people want to say, like, how can I help? Like, tell me what to do. I will detail your car if that'll get you there faster. Well, Bob, thanks for, thanks for bringing us aggressively a whole attitude and mind shift space that is not happening very many places. You, you're, you're, you're a guy who's sent with a mission. We're, we're all the better in it for that. So thank you. Let's thank Bob right now. Yes. Well, that concludes this episode of The Aggressive Life. Whatever you do, be engaged in every moment, every moment, and make those small tweaks because the future is better than you think it is. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode has impacted you, hey, share with somebody else. All of us have influence, people that can look to us for direction. Use your influence positively, aggressively. And if this has meant something to you, then pass along to those that you're leading. Uh, you can see more at bryantome.com or search me on Instagram. Special thanks to the band Judges for our music. You can find more from them on Instagram at The Band Judges or at Facebook.com slash The Band Judges. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production 
of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. 